With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. Joe Londrigan and Eric Henry here with you as always. Uh, throughout the offseason, you know, we love bringing some guests on to talk some G5 football. And uh, this edition, we're doing something a little bit different, not necessarily sticking to one particular conference, but uh, the occasion certainly calls for it. We have Mr. Chris Vanini himself, uh, senior writer at The Athletic. Um, if you haven't followed his stuff, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how you consider yourself a G5 football fan at this point, but Chris, welcome back to the show. We certainly appreciate you uh, making the time for us once again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. And uh, Chris, just curious, how's uh, how's the spring treating you? Keeping yourself busy, I imagine? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been good. It's, it's finally kind of calmed down over the last uh, month or so. We're not crying about NIL anymore. We don't got any major things going on. The big transfers have happened. So it's finally calmed down a little bit. Uh, I did get COVID like three weeks ago, so I, I've had a bit of a lingering cough. So if I, if I cough on this, uh, apologies ahead of time. I'm totally fine otherwise, but sometimes a couple things just stick around, apparently. Ah, that's no fun. Eric can relate. You were, Eric, you were denied entry to the country of Jamaica for a COVID test, right? That was a few months ago. <laughs> yeah, that is that is factual. I was hoping to to forget that, you know, the fact that I couldn't get down to uh, to see my folks in Jamaica. But yeah, uh, certainly, you know, we, we'd like to get through this as quickly as we can, but it's certainly still a thing. So, Chris, sorry to hear that you got bit by uh, by the old COVID bug and uh, hopefully feel better soon. Yeah, I feel fine. I just every I keep doing these interviews and every once in a while I, I cough. So that's 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 about the only annoying thing left. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you making time nonetheless. And Eric, you should know by now, I'm not going to let you forget painful memories. That's just how I operate. Uh, but Chris, let's let's just dive in. That's that's just the nature of our friendship for people that haven't listened before. Um, but Chris, let's let's dive into some talk about uh, divisions and the way that the G5 is is shuffling things up here. Uh, obviously, CUSA is moving to a model where they are doing away with divisions, the AAC uh, doing something resembling the same thing. And I'm curious, Chris, do you think it makes sense for the Sun Belt to go a similar direction in the near future, regardless of, you know, the model that they have now? Well, I mean, they're, they're not at the moment. You know, when they expand, they're, they're mm-hmm. planning to not expand. I mean, Keith Gill told me that a couple weeks back. I, I wrote something on it, and then they had their conference meetings and basically kind of confirmed it. And, you know, the reasoning is because, you know, a big reason they expanded was for regional rivalries. All those teams in the East that are all kind of within driving distance of each other, you know, throwing Southern Miss into the mix with, with Troy and South Alabama and, 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 and the schools down there, uh, that's, you know, that was the, the goal of expansion. That is what the Sun Belt is leaning into. It's not leaning into trying to get some big TV markets or some big TV deal. It's trying to lean into teams that have a lot of support, and can maybe travel to go see their team play 
and have regional rivalries. So it, I get it. it. It makes sense in terms of what they're trying to do, which is a bit different than what a lot of other conferences are doing. So, you know, I, it, you know, you, you realize obviously that the divisions are very, very uh, imbalanced. The East is obviously much, much better than the West. Um, but I think at this point, everybody's generally okay with that because uh, of what the divisions actually bring. It's a great point. It does uh, add a little bit of that, you know, that intensity, that, that panache to those division or to those regional rivalries, like you mentioned. Uh, one of those is James Madison and Old Dominion, both within the state of Virginia. Uh, you wrote a really solid piece uh, the other day about uh, James Madison introducing folks uh, who maybe weren't familiar with what they had accomplished at the FCS level. Now that they're moving to the FBS, in your opinion, Chris, what are realistic expectations for that James Madison program for the next couple of years? You know, it, you know, after you kind of get through the transition, you know, year or so, it, it it's to compete for the conference title. I I think um, I think I heard today they're over under Vegas win total this year is uh, six and a half, which honestly I think that's a pretty good number. If they can get to six seven wins in their first year, considering you know they need a new quarterback, considering they just lost two All American players to, to Power Five schools in the portal, considering they're only playing. 11 games and they can't play in a bowl game uh six and a half six seven wins i think would be a great debut season for for james madison but you know after everything kind of gets settled and they've got an fbs roster uh it's to compete in 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 win the conference championship that that's you know it's they've had i think five straight top three finishes in fcs they haven't had a losing season in 20 years like this is a place that is used to winning that has the culture in place to win over multiple head coaches. And it's a place that expects to win. So, so it should be, you know, in a few years to, to be competing for the Sunbelt championship. Let's uh, let's shift gears for a second to conference USA uh, in 2023. Um, you're going to have those six teams, uh, the Texas schools, as well as uh, Florida Atlantic um, and the rest uh, heading to the American any of the new incoming additions to Conference USA in New Mexico State, Sam Houston State, Jacksonville State, and Liberty, um, any of those schools in your mind immediate contenders for the CUSA crown when they get to the league? I, I think Liberty, absolutely. I mean, it, it's ever since um, Hugh Freeze took over there, they've been a very good program, winning, I think, eight, nine, ten games or so. And, and uh, Malik Willis is obviously part of that, but but – you know, so far, Hugh Freeze is, is at Liberty. There hasn't been, it seems, much, you know, interest in other schools hiring him at this point, or at least Liberty's paying him well enough that he doesn't need to, to, to leave. They've got incredible facilities there, a ton of money in that program. And uh, Liberty's a school I, I, I think should, will, and could very quickly become maybe the best team uh, in that conference, you know, in, in a short period of time, you know, if, if you freeze, if you freeze six around there. Would certainly make the uh, race for that league title all the more interesting. Uh, Chris, want to ask you a similar question. When you look at the American conference with those new additions that are coming in as a result of the, you know, recent shuffling, any of those new teams, uh, do you think they'll be able to fill the void that uh, Cincinnati and UCF and uh, Houston are leaving in terms of immediate contention for the league title? Well, I, it's hard to, to fill those three. Those are, you know, perennial 
top 25, top 20 teams contend for the playoff, contend for the New Year's Six. Um, but obviously, you know, obviously we look at UAB, which uh, won two, two Conference USA titles, won three straight division titles, has basically won nine or ten games a year since uh, since the program was brought back from the dead. And I think that uh, can and, and should continue. Again, similarly, if, if Bill Clark is still around there uh, as uh, as the head coach, you know, a lot of those schools making the move are, are not in a great position, haven't been very good in a while, whether that's, you know, uh, Charlotte or FAU post-Lane Kiffin or, or, or Rice or you know, stuff like that. Um, UTSA should continue to be good as well. Obviously, they just had their big breakthrough last year, won Conference USA, um, and Jeff Trailer, the coach, just signed a 10-year contract. So he's going to be sticking around for a while. There's a big buyout on there. Um, so it, it seems like he'll he'll be around there for at least a few more years. That that program has been completely different from the moment he got there. Two years, two winning records. He's got them going in a really strong direction. They're recruiting as well as they ever have. Uh, so you know you look at a team that could maybe fill the void of losing Houston. You know in Texas, I think I think UTSA could be that that team as well. You know, a lot of people that listen to to us on a regular basis would love to see that. So it would be interesting to see if they can live up to those expectations. Uh, Chris, when you look at last season, obviously Bailey Zappi uh, broke the single season FBS record for uh, touchdowns and passing yardage in a single season, but, you know, didn't get the serious consideration for the Heisman. Uh, realistically, in your mind, what does a G5 player actually have to do to be seriously considered for the Heisman after seasons like the one Bailey Zappi had last season? Certainly not the first time we've seen that with a g5 player yeah yeah i, I mean desmond ritter obviously was was closer to be in the mix so essentially you got to be a playoff contender first off um yeah, to me it's to me it's almost impossible now because you know back in the day you know 15 years ago even longer you look back at andre ware winning the heisman at houston it was ty detmer won it at byu you had quarterbacks back then that were putting up numbers you know, nobody had ever seen before in an offense that nobody else was using. Now you've got Alabama running the same concept, essentially. You've got Alabama LSU quarterback throwing for 4,000 yards in a season. And if you do that against SEC competition compared to Conference USA competition, it's just it's not even going to be in the same ballpark. You know, it's, it's be, I think it's almost impossible for a group of five player to win it at this point because essentially – the only players winning it now are the ones who are in the playoffs, or at least in the playoff conversation. Um, and then you, you throw in these power five schools are now putting up the big numbers that, you know, the, the one-off schools used to. It's a really difficult situation now. You recently wrote about Fresno State uh, also and the fact that obviously Jay Kaner's coming back is a huge uh, piece for them. Uh, curious your insight on what coaches are doing to keep big players at G5 programs now that the transfer portal is what it is. Yeah, obviously Hayner had, had entered the portal and came back. Uh, you had uh, Grayson McCall deciding to stay at Coastal Carolina. I think ultimately <laughs> it has to be a level of trust between the coach and the player. Jake Hayner, when he originally transferred from Washington to Fresno, it was to play for Jeff Tedford. And then Tedford stepped down, and Hayner told me, you know, last year that when, when Jeff Tedford stepped down due to health issues back in 2019, 
he was thinking about transferring again. But Tedford had to tell him, no, you're going to like Kalen DeBoer. You know, he, he, he's really going to be a good fit for you. Obviously, that turned out to be the case. And then he almost followed him to Washington because he didn't know what the situation at Fresno was going to be. Now Jeff Tedford's back. You know, there, there was already a relationship there. Jamie Chadwell and Grayson McCall have been together for two, three years now at this point. Um, it's, it's when you're playing at, at, at that level and you're competing for and winning championships, uh, you know, everybody's seeing you. It, it's not a situation where you're like Cameron Ward down at Incarnate Word and you're getting a Power 5 offer. You can go from the FCS where nobody really sees you to the Power 5. The Group 5 level, the Sun Belt, the Mountain West, you're playing pretty good competition. And you're already, you know, competing for, 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 for championships there. So it's, it's, it's going to be, it's certainly going to be a, a thing, you know, moving forward that schools are going to have to be concerned about that. Coaches are going to have to work on that, but it's going to have to come down to the relationships where the player feels like this coach, this situation is my best chance to get to the NFL. Cause that's ultimately what the goal is for everybody. No, that makes sense. Uh, last question before I turn it over to Eric. Uh, Chris, no, you're a big fan of uh, wrestling, WWE, AEW. We occasionally dive into that uh, from time to time. Uh, curious, who's your favorite pro wrestler right now? In AEW or in all of, of pro wrestling right now? Let's go all of pro wrestling right now. Um, that's a good question. I, I, I guess I've never really thought about who my number one favorite is. I, I, I think up there, at least in that top group, would be Cody Rhodes. You know, back left AEW, came to WWE. Uh, once almost went to Penn State to be a wrestler back in the day, college uh, college tie in there. He is he's a star. I, I've really enjoyed him. Hope that his torn pec muscle. If everybody saw that on Sunday, hope he's uh, hope it's not uh, out too long. Bianca Belair in WWE, she's a champion, former track and field star, at Tennessee. She is incredible as well. Uh, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson over there in AEW. He was, he was one of my favorites when he, when he was in WWE. And, um, and, and, and Roman Reigns, who's the champion, but I, I'm kind of not so high on him now because he's barely around. He's not on TV. He's not wrestling much anymore. They've kind of hit him in the back. Uh, he's got a lot of time off this summer. So those are probably the ones that you know I'm paying most attention to right now when it comes to pro wrestling. All good names. Eric, I'll pass the baton to you. You know what, Joe, if we were not up against the clock, I would definitely ask Chris his thoughts on uh, I'd find a way to merge our two worlds here. Uh, the NIL situation with WWE and, you know, student athletes. Uh, but we're up against the clock. So I'm going to dive into some things. Chris, uh, I will keep it in the realm of NIL. I know you said as, uh, when we started taping that, you know, you finally were done with the NIL talk and whatnot. But I, I do want to run this by you. I uh, had a talk with a with a G5 AD, and he said to me that the. Um, the NIL situation is just interesting in terms of collectives because he's now having to fight a battle where he's got donors who typically would give, you know, 10 or 15,000 to the athletic department. And they're coming to him and saying, hey, you know, so I guess we'll give 7,500 to you and 7,500 to the collective. And, and he's like, well, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> it's not quite that cut and dry. So but I, my question for you, Chris, is. Uh, in in the the NIL space, in terms of the you know group of five landscape, it, it, is that kind of a tricky proposition? And where you know this isn't Alabama, this isn't you know Michigan State, your alma mater, where you know you have people who can equally contribute to different places. Is that something that you know is kind of interesting in the G five realm? Yeah, and by the way, there will be more WWE NIL news on uh, Monday. So okay. Keep an eye out for that. Um, 
But as it relates to G5 collectives, you know, they're out there, but they're, they're just, there's not a ton that are, you know, they're not pulling in money like the Power 5 ones are. They just, they're not going to be able to offer the same kind of money. Like, you know, I've, I've talked to the guy who runs the one at UTSA, and that one is essentially just like, let's connect local businesses with athletes to try to set up deals. That, that's what a lot of them are. Most of them just simply don't have the money to do it. But, you, you know, the point there, if you're, if you're losing money from a donor that's instead going to a collective, that's a much bigger deal at a group of five schools than it is a power five school because power five schools are just overflowing with money and they're about to get more money from their TV deals and whatnot. Every dollar at the group of five level is so important. So any dollar that's not going to you, you got to figure out some other way to do it. Um, I, I don't know if it's happening a ton at the group of five level, again, just because I think a lot of the schools realize they just they can't compete at that level with NIL. So we'll try to do local business type stuff. But, you know, a, a donor who gives a couple thousand dollars, you know, is that going to be enough to persuade a, is that going to be enough to persuade a recruit to come to your school? Is that going to be enough, you know, worth of an NIL deal to your business instead? I don't know. They, 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 it's at a smaller level. But it is more important at that group of five level. I, I think one school, one G5 school that maybe does have the money to kind of over you know, get through some of that stuff and compete is, is SMU, which has you know, it's a small private school, but it's got a lot of rich donors. They got a really nice stadium, all kinds of stuff. They've just announced big plans for stadium expansion and stuff like that. So I, I think there are a handful of schools that kind of have the money to really kind of get into that game. Uh, but for the most part, it's not impacting them in a recruiting level. It's impacting them in a, you know, hey, we got to raise some money. You know, we only raised X amount of dollars per year. Now suddenly we got to find a new place to get this. And that becomes pretty, uh, pretty important. No, absolutely. I mean, being down here in South Florida, the ones you see down here, obviously Jonathan Ciprian, former FIU player with Inside the Cage. I think they just had a $100,000 deal he struck with uh, earlier today. It's another one with some student athletes down here. It's college athlete. Uh, college athlete autographs and more some some local south florida athletes to uh, you know do some autograph things but it's a, it's a fair point you mentioned that it's just at this level you know it's it's kind of is what it is do want to transition into uh some you know new head coaches chris just want to get your thoughts uh the head coaching hires in cusa this cycle mike mcintyre down here at fiu and sunny cumby yeah I, i've heard really good things about uh sunny cumby going to louisiana tech there i you know we did a story a couple of weeks back Kind of just an anonymous agent survey and what they thought of the carousel. And as one as one put it to me, Sonny Cumbie is like Mike Leach without the drama. He he's Mike Leach, but he gives a shit about defense. It's kind of the way he he worded it. So I I think there's a real opportunity there. You know, at a program that's been outside of last year, it's been a consistent winner, winning you know eight nine games every year for a really good stretch under under Skip Holtz. So you have one bad year, you make a change. But I, I've heard good things about what people think Sonny Cumbie can, can do there. You know, Mike McIntyre at FIU, um, you know, he's a guy who turned around San Jose State from nothing into, into a good team. He, he took Colorado from nothing to the Pac-12 championship game. So he's got a track record of turning around programs, which is what you need as a place like FIU. You know, that was a place where, from my understanding, they generally they were, were not going to hire a first-time head coach there. It had to be somebody with – had coaching experience, much like Butch Davis did when he got there and had a lot of success. So um, he he seems. I talked to him in Phoenix uh, at the spring at spring meetings uh, a month or so back, and and he seems to really like it there. And 
uh, you know, he, he again, he's gotten got that track record of, of turning things around. And that that's that's shown out. I mean, you look at what like Terry Bowden did at, at ULM, a guy who's made turnarounds his whole career, and he's kind of started to turn around ULM. So I think FIU's kind of hoping to get something similar with a guy with that kind of background. A couple more for you, Chris. We'll get you out of here. Charlotte recently announced some some expansion plans in terms of you know really I'm trying to. Uh, bolster an already you know very solid a- athletic base down there anyone who's been to jerry richardson stadium it's, it's a it's a small stadium but it's a it's a nice facility and certainly have good basketball facilities as well but just want to ask you chris in, in you know your opinion covering group of fives what seems to be the most attractive thing to leagues uh who are looking to add you know i get this question you know from time to time people say you know is is my school running for you know realignment what are they looking for you know what could you kind of read do you have on what um whether it may be you know obviously the big 12 took the schools from the american or even the american taking the schools from cusa what seems to be uh the the attractive factor that helps in in um realignment well as it relates to moving up to the power five you got to bring tv viewers i mean i mean that is far and away the biggest deal and that's why Houston. That's a big reason why Houston, Cincinnati, and and uh, and UCF are making the move up. But you know, they were consistently getting, you know, in pretty good margin, the the best TV viewership there. They're also big schools, big alumni bases, have a history of success. You know, they all they'd all made a a New Year's Six game. You know, at some point. So that 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 more than than anything in terms of getting to the Power Five level. That's why in terms of who could still move up in the future, that list is pretty short. Maybe a Boise State, maybe a Memphis. That's about it. I don't know if the Power Five is going to look to add anybody else because, you know, it's, it's, it's not about TV markets and potential viewers. It's about your actual TV viewers. That's what the ESPNs of the world are paying for. As it, as it relates to moving into the American, I think we, you, you've seen since the realignment last fall, is that all the schools who are moving in understand that they need to make <coughs> a much bigger investment in athletics. And that was one reason the American added them. Rice is, is doing some big fundraising project. Uh, you know, UAB just built new facilities. Uh, Charlotte announces this big plan to, to upgrade facilities. Uh, USF, obviously USF and Memphis already in the league announcing stadium plans and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, the American wants the schools that are going to spend a lot of money on football. And, you know, I, I talked to group of five ADs during that realignment process who were like, look, you got to have a budget of 50, 60, $70 million to be in the American. And we just, I, my school simply just can't do that. We, 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 you've tapped out the donors to an extent. There's only, there's only so big we can actually get here. And that's what's going to be really interesting about the Americans' future. You know, yes, Charlotte is announcing all these plans, you know, some stadium expansions, some all these other things. But over five, ten years, can they raise the money for it? Is there enough fan support to do it? Um, you know, everybody kind of has these wish lists, but it has to actually happen first. And I, I think all these places realize there's only – there's generally only so big you can get how much money you can spend. A lot of these schools get a lot of money from their, I'm sorry, a lot of these athletic departments get a lot of money directly from the schools, get them from student fees and stuff like that. You know, how much can you really rely on that? So the Americans getting these schools that are going to swing big, 
but only time will tell if they're actually able to to follow through and kind of get there. Uh, Chris, we're up against the clock, so I'm going to try to you know sneak this in really quick, you know, kind of make it a quick mm-hmm. answer. But I want to sneak in a fun question: uh, What's a more intense rivalry in your mind? Uh, any rivalry in CUSA or the uh, Michigan Michigan State rivalry with the uh, college newspapers, which you uh, profile? <laughs> well, I, I got to say, I'll go with um, State News, Michigan Daily Student Newspaper, Robert. <laughs> but I will say something I've gathered is that. Conference, one of the most kind of one of the strangest rivalries, arguments, fights that that I saw on social media over the past few months was Liberty fans out in force defending Conference USA against the departures of Marshall, Southern, Miss, and Old Dominion. Those schools that were trying to leave early. Liberty fans were all up in the mentions of Southern Miss fans about how they can't break the contract. They got to say now. Now remember. These schools were never going to be in the same league together. They're not interacting at all. But Liberty fans, now that they're in a conference or about to be in a conference, they are the biggest Conference USA defenders I think I've, I've seen on Twitter yet. And honestly, that's a good thing for Conference USA because they haven't really had any fan bases kind of take up the mantle for the league like other leagues have. And, and now they have that. They have a, a fan base that's very prominent online and – they're very defensive of a conference USA. And I honestly think that's a good thing for the league to have, you know, moving forward. No doubt about that. Definitely have seen that over the past few months. Hey, Chris, appreciate you making the time, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. No problem. All right. Thanks once again to Chris Vanini, senior writer at The Athletic, for talking some G5 football with us. I know we are uh, extremely excited to, uh, A, read his coverage and um, just see what brings uh, what comes forth from the G5 this season. He's uh, already covering a lot of the storylines that that we're covering and uh, should be a lot of fun to talk about. And, um, you know, Eric, I mentioned to it, I mentioned it, I think we had to cut it out, but I did uh, <laughs> cut a uh, joke about how you look like a young Mark Henry for the sake of time when we were uh, talking wrestling a little bit there. I don't know how to feel about that, Joe. I, uh, I'm going to process the sexual it. chocolate. You take it as the compliment it is. Hey, listen, listen. Uh, so while we're OK, I guess since we're going there. Is that the that's the best incarnation of, of Mark Henry? Are we going like world's strongest man? Are we going nomination? Which, which one are we going? I'm biased. Anything attitude era is automatically the best. And that's that's the incarnation of Mark Henry that immediately comes into my mind. Mostly because I look at you so often. But uh yeah, world's strongest man, Mark Henry is a good is is a good one too. That I mean, if we're t- I mean, if we if we're really gonna get into an X's and O's talk about WWE, but I I tend to think anything from the from the attitude era is the best. Well, in honor of Chris Vanini, I don't see why we can't. But here's the issue in my mind, Joe, with, uh, you know, the sexual chocolate version being, you know, favorite. Uh, May Young. You know, that's, that's, that's <laughs> problematic uh, for me to be associated with that. And that's a very deep pull for our listeners who, you know, if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. But, you know. Mark Henry is a YouTube rabbit hole that I highly recommend for sure. Uh, there's a ton of WWE YouTube rabbit holes that I highly recommend going down. But Mark Henry is fun. Um, yeah. And, uh, it's funny. He was talking about Cody Rhodes and, um, he's, he's definitely been one that's been fun as of late too, but, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. We're in the middle of the NBA finals right now. And there's the whole discussion about, uh, Boston fans maybe being a little bit too aggressive. And it's, it's something that you see in sports, you know, all throughout any major city and any market, really college football is no exception. Um, so, you know, Eric, I'm curious, you know, based on what we've seen from like what Draymond Green's been talking about and what Clay Thompson's been talking about and that sort of thing. I mean, you know, a, like how far is too far and B, like 
how do college football uh, stadiums in particular like really start to combat that? So here's this kind of my take, man. Um, and I don't know if, if this is just me being super, you know, kind of whatever, Joe. I'm definitely curious your take because both of us, we work in sports. We work in this realm. We have seen it all, heard it all. Um, a, I, I don't think, you know, Dan Lebetard, I think, has a great line about, you know, athletes being role models. Like, if your kids are looking for role models outside the dinner table, that's your problem. And 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 I know that may be strong for some of our listeners and direct your comments to at Eric C. Henry underscore if, if you have an issue with that. I mean, it's fine. But I, that's just my thing personally. I don't think athletes are required to be role models. It would be nice uh, that they conduct themselves a certain way. But you know, I don't think athletes are required to conduct themselves a certain way. And to flip it and talk about fan behavior, again, I don't have kids. I don't particularly aspire to have kids. I can understand if a parent says, I'm bringing my kid to the TD Garden or Raymond James Stadium or Bryant Denny Stadium, and they should be able to enjoy a ball game without being subjected to all kinds of behavior. However, uh, I don't know that we live in that sort of like, utopia because we sell alcohol at these events and when people have been pre-gaming for hours upon hours and they get into the stadium and for for all you know intents and purposes i'm using brian denny as an example i I believe they sell beer there but if they don't just don't you know it was a it was an example um but my point is at sporting venues alcohol served right uh you got the guys from pre-gaming and he took two two tequila shots and i been drinking beer I don't know how you can bring your kid to that environment and think, okay, you may not hear a curse word or two, right? It's like if you bring your kid to Hooters or, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings or the bar, like it's the same thing. Um, so if you wouldn't bring your kid there, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't bring your kid there, but if you wouldn't, same thing for uh, an, an arena. So, I mean, yeah, if a kid hears some foul language, I, I um, again, I listen, I don't have kids, but I think that's something you, you sit down with your kid and say, hey, it's a rowdy environment, you know, like, like, would you bring your kid? This is in, in Joe. It, <laughs> um, I can't remember exactly where I heard this line. Um, but this is a, a, essentially what sports are for people, right? Um, sports are entertainment, right? Like live sports are entertainment, mm-hmm. except it is the one form of entertainment, not professional wrestling, not uh, a concert not a whatever in which a movie in which there is an equal chance that you may be as happy as you may be with the outcome. You may be as equally dissatisfied with the outcome. Right. And with that will breed a certain level of investment. Right. If you go to watch the new Top Gun movie, you know what you're getting a Top Gun. You know, if you go to watch WWE, you know what you're getting WWE. When you're so emotionally invested and it's 96, 94, and it's 30 seconds left in the NBA finals, you've just plopped your, and for the NBA finals, much more than 200 bucks for the sake of discussion, your two, 300 bucks. And you don't necessarily know what the return on your investment is. And you've been drinking. People are going to get a little aggressive. Um, I don't think that justifies bad behavior. But if you're going to bring your kid there, just expect that's the environment you're bringing them to, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I mostly agree with that. I think, A, there is an episode of the Netflix show F is for Family. It's an animated show. Um, but in the first season, one of the episodes is they go to a football game. And the show takes place in like the early 70s, I think. 
but it's like just as true today as it is uh as it was then there's you know people getting rowdy getting in fights there's a whole scene where the kid goes to the men's bathroom by itself which i won't describe in detail but that's hilarious um and yeah i mean if you're gonna take your kid to a professional sporting event particularly one where you know it's known for being like a raucous crowd like you gotta be careful i will say i don't condone that kind of behavior either especially with college sports because these are mostly athletes who are six months to two years removed from being literal children like there's no like there's no point in that um there's no point in like you know a, a directing abuse toward the athletes it's never going to go the way you think it's going to go and it's not it's it's not as funny as you think it is either um from like a parenting perspective i'm not going to pretend to know like how to be a, a a great parent but i don't know i went to you know sporting events with with my dad and and my mom from a fairly young age and even like high school football in, in ohio there was some wild stuff happening you know <laughs> like it i don't know that that's kind of part of it and that's something that you have to not just expect but like be prepared to like explain that you know just that kind of behavior um i will say i think i you know the more i think about it i think i disagree a little bit with your assessment of sports as this thing that like you have an equal chance like the thing about like sports obviously your team might win you might lose and that affects your overall enjoyment at the end of it um but i think like in particular like i saw the new star wars movie uh they're not the new one but the you know the episode nine or whatever and i was like oh, i hope it's really good and it was horrible like you know i don't know i think i don't know the point is you can go into something expecting it to be good and then at the end it it sucks you know what i mean it might not be worth your money but to the extent that like people pay for like nba finals tickets then yeah like but i think there's a little i think there's a little bit of like it might be good it might be horrible for for everything but i think i mostly agree with you there yeah and 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 listen you know this is going to be a very minute disagreement here we have but if i go see the new star wars movie in theory, I can research it ahead of time and see the reviews and say, okay, you know, this thing got, you know, 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. Whereas uh, if I go in and, you know, if, if I'm to Michigan and App State, yeah, you know, App State may be this FCS team. And in theory, the line may say Michigan plus 30 something, whatever it was. It wasn't a great day for Michigan fans that, you know, at the big house. So listen, it's a very minute disagreement, but that's, that's all I would posit to, to that, you know? Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's a solid point too. Um, I don't know. You might go see like the Rolling Stones in concert. And if like Mick Jagger has a heart attack on stage, like you're going to be like, that was not my favorite concert. You know what I mean? Like, listen, I'll, I'll give you one. I'll give you one. I went to Rolling Loud. I actually covered Rolling Loud for a yeah. uh, for a uh, publication um, 2019. And, you know, OK, I didn't have to pay for it. So, you know, I didn't have too much of an investment anyhow, but I'm having a good time. And, you know, DJ Khaled is there. Uh, I guess for our listeners who don't know what Rolling Loud is, it's it's a hip hop music festival, three days, you know, the whole nine. Um, I'm like, all right, Khaled, this should be interesting, you know, and this is Khaled in probably 2019 again. So that, uh, like 2012 to 2020 is about the peak of his DJ Khaledness. I'm like, yo, this may get me in trouble for living in South Florida. I was like, yo, is this really what this dude does? Like if he goes and does a set, cause it was no, there, there weren't even his artists, Joe, or like artist songs that he's produced or songs that he was on. It was just 30 minutes of, of him playing other people's music and then he took the mic and his son Assad has been bored and he was like raise your hand if you love Assad 
It's like, yeah, it's not my job to love Assad. It's your job to love Assad. Like, I, <laughs> I'm not here for Assad. I'm, I'm here for this music. Now, he brought it around. It was Meek Mill's first concert after getting released from jail. So at the end, like, it, I was satisfied. But I was like, yo, if this is what people go to when they start DJ Khaled, I was like, I don't give a damn about Assad personally. Like, you know, it's not my problem. Assad gonna live a nice life. Every time I see you, you want a jet ski somewhere or doing something extremely lavish. So I think Assad <laughs> is all right. Assad is fine. I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> all right. I'm pretty sure he's good. <laughs> oh, that's DJ funny. Khaled, by the way, not from Miami, from Orlando, Dr. Phillips High. Graduate. They're, they're, uh, as someone who went to college in Orlando, there are people who take it very personally that DJ Khaled does not rep the fact that uh, he is a product of Orlando, nevertheless. Have you watched the – this is just going to turn into me recommending YouTube videos, but uh, Joey Fatone is also from Orlando, from NSYNC, and he spent like most of his interview on Hot Ones like trash-talking uh, DJ Khaled. <laughs> I, I have not seen that, but I will have to indulge in that now. Yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Um, it's a couple years old now, but anyway, um, oh man, that's, that's funny. We're going to have to we're. I mean, we're going to have to make something happen to see like, if you can just like explain some of these things that you, cause like I, I could tell, like, you know, I know this, the episode's going to come out after this, but we just yeah. talked to Tyrese chambers and we were talking about music and you could tell in my face, I was like, I know some of these words, like <laughs> we, we, we will have to, you know, maybe we'll do like a follow-up episode once, once the Tyrese episodes drop. You know, we'll we'll do that or, or something. We, I, I I could see it in your face, Joe. You know, and quick <laughs> note before before we go, since you know, sure. again, we're just you know, for the the pleasure of our audience, we're just filling time here because you know, Chris Vanini was about twenty three minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Instantaneous thoughts that come into your mind when you hear Orlando. You know, like you're familiar with the Sunshine State, but like, do you just have a thought that comes to mind when you say, you know, someone's from Orlando? Like, what, what you know, what goes through your mind? I mean, about the city or about like people from Orlando. Um, I let's do both. Sure. I mean, I think my my initial thought when I hear Orlando is usually like Disney. Um, that's like the first word that pops into my mind. Um, I don't know. Truthfully, I haven't met enough people from Orlando to really know to to like make that kind of assumption about people. But like just from like celebrities that I know are from Orlando from the Orlando ish area, it's like I don't know, very very showy. Like I think like Wayne Brady's from the Orlando area, that, that, that kind of thing. And I know that's like, not like a great, like statistical example, but like that, I mean, that's the only other reference I really have. No, you answered that question exactly the way I was kind of hoping you would, because here's the thing about uh, Orlando, right. In central Florida. Uh, and I may have told the story on the podcast, but I remember, you know, I, for those of you who are regular listeners may know, I went to grad school at Northwestern in Chicago when I was visiting, I'm there with some friends and, you know, we're, we're there late night bar hopping and it, Listen, Chicago's a great city, but, you know, there are some things you can encounter that make it a little bit, you know, dangerous. And uh, the the uh, two young ladies that we were with, who we met out at the bar, uh, <laughs> they were there and they were Chicago natives and they uh, decided to defend our honor, uh, us being not Chicago natives. And, and they said to the, this guy, they're not even about that life. They're from Orlando. And the, the dude's face just looked at us like, these Mickey Mouse mother bleepers like Orlando you guys are from Miami or Orlando really like so that's why I asked and yeah you know the fact that you know Wayne Brady's from, from Orlando like that's what people kind of kind of you know the image they get um yeah it doesn't help the, the reputation that you got the Wayne Brady's the Joy Fatones you know listen no no shade on that you know like every city's got a hood I would say it's right now you know you go to Pine Hills uh every city's got a hood but yeah 
people think Orlando and they think Mickey Mouse. My mother-in-law loves you. Perfect time. Perfect time. Perfect time. <laughs> oh man. Ah, yeah. I mean, we you'll, you'll have to show me Waffle House or Waffle House Orlando, that kind of listen, side of town. Where listen, we go. Waffle House after one a.m. Mm-hmm. OBT. Fun times. Fantastic. Uh, all right. I think we I think we hit the uh, minimum time now for this episode. Um, but uh, thank you all so much for listening. It's uh, at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter for more G5 football content. And um, thank you all so much for the support of, the, of this podcast in particular. Uh, us and obviously the one that uh, Dan and Emily do, too. And uh, the one that um, Matt and, and Brian Stone do as well. Uh, just looking at the numbers today and the growth is um, really encouraging. So thank you all so much. Um, feel free to leave a review on iTunes or your platform of choice as well help us grow the show even more and uh, we'll be back next week with more g5 football content and uh, a fun interview with fiu receiver tyrese chambers on the cusa edition so look forward to that happy football watching everybody we'll talk to you very soon